Hi everyone, welcome to Stars and Stars podcast with me, Varun Bhumidi. Every week, I release two episodes where I have illuminating conversations with founders, investors, and doers. On this episode, episode 25, I speak with Samir Verma of Nexus Venture Partners about some of his investments, the startup ecosystem, and we also get a chance to dig deeper into how he thinks about investing. More recently though, Samir's investee company Postman, which was in the news for putting India on the map, for creating a category-defining unicorn. That's right, it's a unicorn. Do listen into the episode in its entirety. There are some fun anecdotes in this conversation. But if you have limited time, we discuss five of my favorite investments of Sami's portfolio from minute 46. In his investments in Hasura, Postman, Bira91, Licious, and Mayupchar. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or on your favorite podcasting app to stay informed when we release new episodes. And if you like emails better, then check out starsandstartups.com. Okay, let's get to this episode. Hey, Samir, welcome to the show. How are you doing? How's lockdown treating you? Well, not so bad. You know, thanks for having me over. I think um, lockdown is, um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's been great. If you ask me, I've been just about as productive. Um, uh, you know, luckily, a lot of activity on the portfolio front. So I've been, you know, deeply focused on the portfolio side. The downside is that, you know, on the on the new investment side, uh, at least uh, doing this over Zoom uh, hasn't been as effective because I'm a, you know, in early stage investing, you are pretty much very dependent on meeting people and talking to them, sitting face to face, you know, uh, picking up the small nuances. You obviously can't do that over Zoom. So I'm, I'm, I'm still learning how to how to do that, do this over Zoom. So I think from a new investment perspective, it's been a little um, slow. Uh, but you know, I've been very busy on the on the portfolio front with uh, you know companies raising capital or getting to the next stage. So we've been very 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 uh, focused on that. Um, and uh, good thing is also that it's uh, uh, you know this has been a forcing function for all entrepreneurs to think uh, think about the real real basic things and getting the getting the plumbing right in the companies, getting the model right, and uh, you know you know really thinking about what makes sense or not. And I think so. Uh, I would, I would say it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's been a great uh, wake-up call for for some of uh, some of the founders who just uh, had wrong assumptions around the business, or we all had around the table wrong assumptions. Uh, obviously, there's uncertainty around how the, where where this will land up, and uh, you know what's going to happen in the future. But uh, and I would say that it, personally, I feel it, it's it's a, it's a good thing because I think companies are focused really on on the basics now uh, rather than. Uh, you know, building castles in the air in some ways. Right? So that's that's the good part. And uh, uh, new investments, as I said, is is is, is I, I would say has taken a little bit of a uh, hit uh, there. But you know, I think uh, it's a matter of time. But uh, you know, I'm I'm getting to spend time with family. I mean, that's yeah. the you know, I mean, I I missed uh, you know seeing my daughter grow up. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't spend as much time as traveling like crazy, working really really, really hard. I do the same thing now. I have a one-year-old, so I, the good thing is I get to spend a lot of time, and, and I'm actually seeing seeing him grow up right in front of my eyes. Right, so it's a it's pretty 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 fulfilling from that uh, that standpoint. Um, so I'm 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 actually liking it, and I'm also taking some time out to kind of focus on health and um, nice. yeah. And I think have you uh, have you signed up to any one of these uh, online fitness classes? Are you uh, doing a hundred twenty push-ups a day now? What do you do? Uh, so you know, I have a you know, despite of the lockdown and uh, all my uh, you know, uh, my wife hates it, but I have a I have a fantastic trainer. He he still shows up, and um, 
so i've been i've been working out uh, you know pretty much now about 5 6 days a week uh yeah so he comes over and he's, he pushes me really hard so yeah i have been now uh, you know obviously starting to get back into shape uh, you know i just let go that's one of my biggest regrets in life uh, so i'm just starting to get back you know into in form and uh, so i've been doing it pretty rigorously and uh, you know pretty much made a uh, a gym at home uh, you know converted one of my big you know one of the terraces in my house with a shed in, into into a sort of a gym so you know i end up getting getting up early in the morning and he comes over and he he really pushes me yeah so i haven't done 125 but i've done 100 pushups <laughs> i mean you <laughs> today today yeah uh, we well, want to talk about it <laughs> so yeah. i mean the first thing about being in bangalore i i don't know about folks in in mumbai you could actually have a terrace and and have a full setup there in bombay you're yeah. going to pay through your nose and you need another apartment for that uh, absolutely yeah yeah no i've been very fortunate <laughs> The space is relatively cheap, and the best part is like you know it's it's very very pleasant and it's beautiful in the morning to do this. It's the first thing getting it out of the way. In the whole day, you feel energized and 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 good to do one thing. The interesting thing though is uh, like you brought it up. A lot of people are forming new habits, right? Uh, one right. is on the on the personal side. Obviously, uh, it takes seventy two days to form a habit. Now, uh, right. you know, COVID has given us one hundred twenty days to do that. Um, right. right from the business side obviously zoom and, and a lot of these work from home hacks have seemed to become part of the daily life so i think people now when they say they work from home you know it actually be work from home and not figuring out how to work and yeah i think it it, it brings together a really really radical prioritization framework i mean in, in our lives you know, about what we want to do i mean if this goes on for a few more months i think people will look look at life and 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 uh, you know it'll be good i think people will go back to some bit of old habits and some social things but you know they'll be able to cut through the noise and if if they're with family and everything i i feel that they'll be a lot more focused around what they want to do in their life and how they want to use time and they'll realize that you know they don't need to get on to a plane to just attend one meeting in person a lot of it can be done um you know remotely and they're just about as productive right and 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 it's 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 not only one person but it's the other side also you know the habits are forming across the board right so you know it's i'm not saying that travel is going to stop but i think people are just going to focus on 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 more experiences rather than just material possessions i think that's one big realization also i i'm personally having is that you know i just want to if i could i would just want to buy experiences rather than material possessions i think it's that I was anyway not very materialistic, but now now it's even more so. I I I'm not really bothered about what car I drive or or things like that. But I I would I would I would I would truly enjoy uh, a nice vacation now, and I would truly look forward to it. And you know, uh, you know that, that that's that's what it is. So. It's it, it's interesting you bring that up because I, I think one of the conversations people are having is that the the uh, the value somebody assigns to life mortality is so different now. that it was say last year right uh, that's right uh, samir uh, before we get into uh, some of the cool things about investing and, and life as a vc and all of that you were an operator right you were actually a product manager you working at tech uh, in the us how did the transition happen from from that did you always want to get into vc was there something you had set your sights on because people want like after 30 or 35 40 They want to become an investor. Was that something you always thought about? Yeah, you know, always. 
even as a kid i always wanted to be doing something which is not in a very big company i wanted to be you know sort of very independent and uh, you know i was always very anti establishment by nature you know you know as a kid right if you look at you know in school and i was pretty naughty and doing all kinds of naughty things and uh, you know i was always very anti establishment right i uh, so i did my run not with it right and i and i focused on learning as much and uh, as much as i could uh, during that phase uh, so when i got out from college i you know instead of taking on a big company job i went and joined a startup i did it, i did something very very crazy and, and i did it in the most crazy times i graduated in 03 undergrad and uh, you know it was a pretty crazy environment as you can imagine right right after the dot com bust uh, you know and then you know i'd done my internships across big companies startups and things like that and i i i wanted to work in a place which was where i could take on more you know learn a lot more rather than being in a big company just so that uh, you know there was a brand value and it gave me uh, uh, you know something right better on the cv or whatever right so i was i was pretty convinced that uh, you know i want to do do stuff where um, i get to learn more and there's there's a lot of uh, headroom to grow i think that was kind of very critical for me um, getting out from college um, so i did that and you know and every every step of the way i i just used every bit of experience that i had been in, in that time frame to a lot of soul searching to say what do i really like went into roles which challenged me and gave me a broader vista rather than uh, being in very confined roles I should go back go to b school and and i i i obviously liked i got an idea of what business was yeah. i i had seen tech and of course at that point of time you know google and all those companies were just about coming about right i mean they're starting out and, and you know you're seeing the the whole consumer internet uh, piece also some of the companies coming out right. of course telecom was a very secular wave in india and when i was back here in india i you know i'd done a lot of stuff around wireless networks and i said that okay if i really want to do something in in, in computer networks telecom and this space i need to get a good footing into how wireless networks work because you know i just realized that wireline is going to have uh, wireline is not going to be the preferred access for majority of india right and that's when you know ericsson came calling and you know uh, and i fell into the trap which i never will fall into in my life was that you know oh they're a much bigger better branded company and if you work with ericsson then it's like the goldman sachs equivalent of 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 the telecom world and you know it's really good for your career and my my dad would be more proud of me in some ways right and so i made that transition mosaic uh, end of 2005 to 6 after working for 2 years at at, at ubi sapphire and uh, you know one thing I, i i learned when i went there was it's a great place it's a great place if you you know uh, if you like it slow if you don't if you like uh, if you like structure and if you just want to work on one point of thing but if you want to take initiative you're a go getter and and you really want to you know move fast and do things it's just a place which it's it's like a target the how do you try and get out get up from it the more difficult it becomes to kind of uh do things and you know it works it really really works and there's a reason for why they are there and why they're great in their own ways so i really you know i saw the whole wireless transition piece that i moved from being a product manager to a solutions architect and that was even at a more meta level because you're tying up many products into what a solution should look like for a large telco hundreds and millions of dollars into capex right so you really have to work with different stakeholders and different providers uh and of of uh, you you abstracted away from products into what a solution would look like and you know that that journey from uristacom to ericsson taught me two things right in terms of how how to how to technology solve business problems 
and how should it be viewed uh, for doing that? It's not a point solution for what you're doing as a product manager. The other thing he taught me is that I don't want to ever work in a big company. And, you know, it, it, it was, I found it very confining. Um, just around that time, I, uh, you know, being a solutions architect, what you do is essentially, um, you know, you look at different companies whose solution you want to incorporate into uh, an entire uh, offering for the customer, right? You're integrating different kinds of solutions and saying, okay, I will form the best mobile TV solution for you. Here are my encoders and storage. But here is the here is the CAS uh, or a DRM solution that you need to use, and this is a third-party solution. But you know, yes, you know, we can integrate it, and this is the scope of work and all of that kind of stuff. But eventually, you will have a great mobile TV, best of breed mobile TV solution, and this is what the business case for that would be, and all of that kind of stuff, right? So, essentially, you know, it was it was great learning from a meta meta level, uh, and and gave me more business jobs. But what it also let me do was look at some of these point solution companies, which are startups, which are best of breed startups, right? And one of the things that I was told was, are these companies going to be sustainable that you are proposing them uh, to be a part of this entire solution bundle? And, you know, when I, and, and somebody told me, look at, look if they're VC funded. So, you know, here I was 23 and I would look at these companies there, oh, this is an interesting solution. But then I would go to the investor page and I would see all oh, these really fancy people, oh, these are, you know, what, oh, this firm, oh, you know, Sequoia has funded this sort of client. Kleiner has funded it, or uh, you know, more has funded it, and that's how I started learning about oh, this is what VCs do. Okay, so VCs back really these early stage companies, and they are best of breed point solutions, and you know that when they say that is this a sustainable backed company or a venture backed company, so that's that got into my vocabulary, and that got piqued my interest. Okay, you know, this sounds like fun because they're doing technology, they're doing finance. And they're really involved in building things from like this really early stage uh, phase. And I read a lot more about it and I started doing my CFA at that time. So here I was, you know, a solutions architect at Ericsson. I had a lot of time because, you know, the company worked like an elephant and uh, in, in its own pace, uh, surely. And, 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 so, and they worked in their own way. But I, I got time to do my CFA level one in that one year. And I, I learned a lot about venture and I was like, okay, I need to do this. I definitely want to go... Um, Back, go to B, B school because I saw everybody had this chop of a good B school and uh, you know I, 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 I'm going to go get this and I want to do something in venture and I applied to a bunch of places right uh, the, I won't name, name companies I, I won't even name some of the people who I talked to at that time they, they asked me you know what a term sheet looks like you know what you're talking about you know you're, you're not from McKinsey we need we need people from McKinsey we need consultants because this was yeah. really 2006 to 2007 when the venture industry was literally I would say starting out in India right um, and the, or their preference was because you know Pulak Prasad and all those guys from uh, you know from McKinsey made made the Airtel investment everybody's at that time was like you know the McKinsey consultants are the best guys and here I was a techie who was okay I could talk tech and I could talk business to some extent very very limited extent and I had a CFA level one and I was an engineer and they're like, you know, what the hell is all this? You know, you know, get out of my office. So uh, you know, so uh, you didn't you didn't fit the mold basically, right? I did not fit the mold, and I did not fit the mold. And I said, okay, I'm going to try really hard to do this. And you know, I, I had, uh, uh, and of course, uh, there were other companies which reached out to me at that point of time. Uh, you know, to do a tech role, much bigger, better companies, better paid companies. But I said, I wanted to go into venture. I said, I'm going to take a risk. I don't have much to lose. God was very kind. I was not never very money focused. I've never been money focused in my entire career right, in terms of how much I make. What I was telling my mom this day, this morning, I've never thought about how much money I make. I, I just it just happens. Whatever happens, happens. And uh, you know, so so 
I, I made that transition because, you know, I at, at Ericsson, Reliance was one of my customers and Reliance was starting out, uh, they had a private equity arm under Reliance Capital and they were starting out a venture arm. And, you know, Reliance obviously did a lot of stuff around computer networks and telecoms and things like that. And I said that, you know, this is a great opportunity for me to go out and start uh, learning about this. And, you know, Reliance would not be as finicky, and as crazy about, uh, about uh, you know, whether you have a you know, consultant or not, you can talk the talk and walk the talk. It's that's what matters, and I think uh, so. I was quite at my ear on the ground as I was surveying what how to get into the space, and uh, you know, luckily for me, I, I went through a couple of interviews with them and their vice chairman and all of that stuff, and uh, you know, I was a part of the of what they in 2007 started. I was in Ericsson for a year, and I started they started something called Reliance okay. uh, Technology Ventures. I joined them in 2007 as a second employee, pretty much the founding employee. And I made that transition from, you know, in that one year of Ericsson, from learning about venture, learning what people do, learning about, uh, you know, my, my basics of finance to some extent, and into 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 venture. It was a very uh, unorthodox move when my dad freaked out that, why are you working with Reliance? What is wrong with you? And I said, I, I optimized for, you know, and I, I realized after Ericsson, you know, you can have all the pretty names on your thing. It's what you yeah. do. It's not where you do it at. You know, it's what you do. I'm surprised your dad said, why would you work at Reliance? Because I think most parents would think Reliance is a good place to be at. Why? You know, not really. You know, not really. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, I, I would say that, you know, and I, and I tell people this, uh, people are like very crazy and they look at me very strange because, you know, most 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 of the most of the, our species are very brand. I won't say the next word, but they are brand, whatever. You, you know what I mean. Right, so they 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 really are focused on you know where did you go to college and what did yeah. you do and all of that kind of stuff and you know some of those uh, power of association is very different. It's very it's not what you've done, but it's it's more about you know they're drawing parallels. Of, oh, you know you should be capable because you went to an IIT or you went to or Stanford or Harvard or whatever. But those are check but, you know, boxes. I, I, those are check they're boxes. They're all check boxes. Yeah, saying that exactly. Life is basically chosen all this for you, and hence it makes our job easier to make a bet. Well, life never chooses anything for anybody, but yeah, you did all the work to be a, you know, running the rat race and you're, you, 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 the label. The fact yeah. that you, you got really strong legs and you're a rat and you know, you're going to, you yes, you know, so, so, so I, but I, I always took a very unconventional path in my career that, you know, I would take on risks and I would not worry and I, I would do what I wanted to do. You what know, was your, find, what was your biggest learning at, at uh, Alliance? Like, so that was your... You know, real first PC role. You know, so I was I was 26 when I started doing venture. It was very early in the day for the ecosystem uh, in India. Yeah, uh, we, had, you know, uh, we had we had Alok or uh, uh, Pixigo on the podcast. Uh, you know, and, and they started at this exact same time as you did in venture, right? They started Pixigo at that time. Yeah. So he shared his story about hey, you know, that time people didn't understand what you know a lot of people were doing, but there were companies like Yatra and others. All the OTAs raised money because at least the general thesis was there around, uh, you know, travel, right? Yeah, and in fact, Yatra was one of the first companies that this entity which I joined funded, in fact. Hmm. So, you know, the, you know, that's how it started. This entity started that, you know, hey, we need to be, Reliance needs to start funding the next generation of, of, of these consumer internet plays and tech companies and all of that stuff. And, you know, we are going to be deploying billions of dollars into CapEx and we really need to understand, you know, should we take warrants and shares into companies that we are we are investing into because the scale with which we can operate, we can 
we can uh, you know we can really make a company's fortunes right in some ways so that was the thought process so you know this entity advanced technology ventures was supposed to do that right so the transition from that i was 26 years old um, and you know um, i went from being a solutions architect to being on a board of a company with the cto of Ericsson with that entity because my first investment was in a company called Evan Wireless uh, Evan Communications Corp which is a San Diego based company and they were building next generation uh, millimeter based uh, you know backhaul systems for telecom networks uh, you know so I, I made that transition in my career from being a solutions architect to being you know being on the board of a company and I was only 26 and I, so you know you can imagine that it was a yeah. very very different time right uh, a very very different thing i nobody prepared me for what a term sheet looks like nobody prepared me for what preference shares are any of that stuff i jumped right deep into the uh i jumped to the deep end of the pool with a bunch of sharks around me right so this was pretty much and i had to stay in the water right so so you know it is great learning and i think that i look at that that entire phase i worked like probably 12 13 hours a day at least you know for and uh, uh all of you know and then so it's been uh you know so and you know never the two or three things you know venture industry was young and we were in the most exuberant times that you can imagine 2007 starting out venture is like coming to the party when everybody's drunk right? learning I, I just feel that those four years of my time at reliance were the most foundational learning points because the amount of uh responsibility i got to take um for being a 26 year old kid Nobody in the world would have trusted me by giving them giving me the money. I had uh, very little, little, no supervision. I learned on the job, and I learned to understand how uh, you know how things go bad. I mean, when you see it upfront and you have very little cover, air cover in some ways, you 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 realize how things can go wrong. And so you know, at the back of your mind, all these all, all these things, you know, two thousand eight, two thousand eleven. Sometimes you know things were things were bad. 2015 things were bad, and now this entire crash. So you know it's it's a it's a sort of a pattern that you know as you as you it's it's sort of muscle memory about how do you look at things and you have to live in duality around things. But how do you keep hyper rational around when you're building businesses? They have to go through some of these ways because things which look good look will get very bad, and when things are very bad, they will get good. So you know that equanimity with which you should approach investments and build foundational. Things in the company are absolutely critical, and I think that's uh, that's something that you get to learn when you when you do this, and and if you've done, if you've done it for some time, you you learn that. And if you look at the venture industry in India, most of it, the craziness has actually started in 2011, 2012, and you know we've been in an 11 year bull run, right? Most of the people haven't seen a crash. The people who have who are in the venture industry today haven't seen a crash. They don't know what a crash looks like. They don't. They haven't seen it. Be prepared. I uh, haven't been prepared for it, but I feel very fortunate because I've seen uh, a close up front what, what it can look like and what are the repercussions and what it means. And I mean, I felt the worst I've ever felt in my life having to veto a decision on, on, on having to fire people so that a company survives, uh, you know, at 26, 27. It was not an easy decision for me to make, I mean, just at, at that point of time. But do you, know, you so think? Did it help you in the current situation? Like, uh, what were you advising your companies prior to, you know, what we are living through right now? You know, you'd be surprised. I, in this uh, downturn, I haven't been panicked about anything, as such. It, it's 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 pretty crazy. I've, 
there were one or two companies where I was a little paranoid about, you know, that there'd be a fundamental demand uh, change in, in some of those things. So we need to realign ourselves. So I was a little pushy around, you know, because I did not know how, how things would pan out. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I was actually thinking about the other day. I haven't got panicked about this downturn at all. In fact, I've been the most effective I've ever been in my, in my, in my last eight years at Nexus in this downturn because I've just been focused on saying that, you know, let's, you know, helping the companies raise capital or change business plans and things like that. But I haven't got crazy around, around anything because I think I've been able to see the fact that, okay, things are bad right now. As long as the company's not going off the rockers or, or, or has a really, really terrible business model, I think it's been actually, I'm, I've been surprised with myself this time around that I've been very, very, uh, broadly, very, very calm on the whole about the situation. Uh, I think it's just maturity of seeing these four, five or six cycles play out. You know, yeah, it's not Sam, the end of the world. Sameer, we have a, a long way to go in this conversation with you. Yeah. So I'm going to get into the next segment. Uh, understanding you as a VC, right? Uh, you're in that space and I think a lot of folks uh, look at venture and, and, and capital as something that, uh, you know, it's, it's a black box for a lot of people. Uh, can you take us through the process of creating your thesis? Do you have a thesis? you look at uh, how do you look at investing you know so the the way i look at our business is that we have we have you know as venture investors we have first class seats uh, you know first row seats to seeing how the future is shaping up right i mean that's what we, we, are, we are we are supposed to be doing so we are really seeing we are we are about looking at patterns around uh, you know inflection points in industry structural shifts in industry value migration happening in industry so we are really about understanding some of those things innately and 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 and, and always having a, a, a thing in our mind around how things are changing now it, that might be written or unwritten right uh, you can you can so you develop a nose when you're in this business and if you're objective about stuff you develop a nose around you know what what are the possibilities and how the industry is changing and why it's a, a new business idea makes sense at that point of time you also realize that timing is a very important part in any company, right? When I when I invest into this company in the wireless space, they were so out there, and I thought that this is the coolest technology ever, right? And I realize, I realize that that doesn't mean Jack. It, what what matters is is the business case going to make sense at this particular point of time. However cool the technology is, even if an acquirer comes in and buys it, it's going to take a lot of time for it to kind of uh, make make economic sense for it to become mainstream and a large company uh, in in the four or five years. So I, my first investment uh, in the venture space did not work out as a result because there's nobody who told me that you know you should think about it this way. I learned about it the hard way, right? So you know one thing I learned is that you have to get the timing right. You have to get the the, the most single thing is you have to get the team right, right? And I think that is absolutely critical. Uh, you know uh, you know to do. Get the team right, the timing right, and the market right. I think these are the three things. I personally am somebody who doesn't sit and build a thesis around stuff. I don't. I I am fundamentally opposed to that because you know I I am again. You know, if you look at it, they they say right to a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So if you build a thesis, then you have a confirmation bias around that space or that particular thing. So you can't look things look at things objectively, and you just feel like oh, you know, I built a thesis that. Asset light, medical, uh, you know, uh, healthcare is going to work, and you know, this is my thesis why it should work, and you know, everything, and then 
any company that you meet, it will conform to that bias that you have. And your thesis might be biased. So you don't kind of look at it from a first principles perspective and that's when you get it really, really wrong. Um, so, you know, I don't look at it from a thesis perspective, but I, what I look at it, what I look for in companies is fundamentally, at, at a fundamental level, it is around the people and do they have the ability to be agile and adopt? I haven't funded a company which started off with one thing and done one thing at the end. The only company which has been able to do that in my career of 38 investments is, of course, of course a beer company which has done a beer. I mean, they, 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 nice you know, we get to we get to the we get to the beer business in just a bit because we have a whole segment yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, of course, that that is done. Whatever it is, and of course, yeah. if you leave it, could you you would sell you clothes also. But you know that that goes. You know, let's not talk about that. But uh, but the the point I'm trying to make is that out of the three eight companies, I would say the only company which has gone ahead and done exactly what they told me in the first pitch to today is Postman, which is why I have the tre most tremendous respect sure. for them because the foresight that they had. Uh, is very different. Every single company that I've funded, every single one of them has changed its plan. Every single one of them. So the team's agility and their ability to smell the room, smell the market, smell the industry, smell the situation and keep adapting is absolutely critical. And, you know, the self-awareness is also very, very important. What's the process then? Then in, in your case, and what is the process? Because, uh, you know, when you, like you said, for someone who has a thesis, uh, you know, uh, you're obviously then focused on, okay, how do I solve the problem, right? And, and then you can go after uh, in the wrong direction because you're looking for a problem or looking for a solution, right? In, in this scenario, you're basically saying that there is this whole world of startups and businesses out there and one of them might be. So when is your years perk up when you say, oh, this is something that's cool that I want to be a part of? Because then, you know, because you're evaluating everything on the same level. That's right. It's, and, and you have very limited information to do it. Don't forget that, you know, I, if I'm reading a report about somebody wanting to change something in the future, if I'm reading a Gartner report, I'm pretty much toast if I'm doing that investment, right? <laughs> right? Just because then I'm building a Me Too and I have all the all the risks in front of me with my capital to build a Me Too's company, right? Girish can pull, the, pull that off. I mean, Girish is exceptional to be able to pull that off. I have all the, all the respect and love for him. Uh, but, but you know, not it's not for every entrepreneur, right, um, uh, to do it. So, you know, if just imagine, just put yourself in my shoes. What do I do for a living? I am sitting in front of two or three people with an idea about a market and about a space with no product, no, obviously no revenue, no Excel sheet. And I would say 80% of the companies that are funded are without presentations, right? 85% of all the companies that I've, I've invested into are without, are pre, have been pre-revenue, pre-product. So it's really about studying the people. It's really about uh, understanding whether the timing for that particular thing is right. Is it, is it the right timing? Uh, and are these the right people who can solve it? And, you know, is, does this industry make sense? Is this going to be a large TAM? Is this going to be a large space? Uh, and is a large uh, company going to be created if, if, if these guys build, build it up. Is there, are there very asymmetric uh, equations uh, at play, right? I said, those are the things that I'm, I'm sitting around and judging, but I'm not saying that, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to build a, you know, oh, there's a health nutrition company I need to invest because it's, you, you intuitively know that people want to get more healthy and fitness is a big thing and all of that kind of stuff, right? You intuitively know that. Um, so I've, you know, invested into a health fitness company, for example, and that happened pre-COVID, but it was, you know, obviously, it's got, it's got on steroids right now because obviously yeah. gyms are closed and all of that stuff. But 
Just you think, talk about it. Do you think that will continue post-COVID? Like, I mean, a lot of these companies are seeing a lot of spikes, right? Edutech, uh, you know, food, nutrition, uh, etc. Do you think uh, this is like the sale period where everybody's just buying and then that it kind of plateaus at some point and then uh, there's a new normal? I think there's, you know, there's going to be a definite behavior shift which is going to take take place. Depends on how long this, how long the reinforcement loop in some of these things is. Right? It all, all depends on that, right? I mean, uh, what's going to happen is clearly, I, I think people will, there's already a very large population or set of people who don't go to gyms to work out, for example. Right? That market is, is, is wanting to get healthy. So there is going to be a first step for them to want to get healthy and that will only be digital right now. And then there is a gym goer market, you know, which the people are going to gyms and they're not going to be able to go to gyms. So what will they do? If you go to Decathlon today, all weights are sold out because people are buying weights and doing things. Now, if this lockdown uh, continues for the next, till the end of the year, you have reinforced a behavior of being able to do it remotely without much, much, uh, much effort, right? Because so the pies become bigger. The pies become bigger. One is obviously a bunch of people who are going for walks and things like that, or who are doing things, want to get healthy. So they are, they they will be okay, kind of, because they are, you know, they will be okay doing, you know, guided yoga on hot stuff, for example, right? Yeah. Or guided yoga on some of these things because they have realized that you know health is very important and they need to make their immunity better and all that stuff. So there's there are a bunch of confluence of uh, of 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 some really interesting factors coming together today to make some of these behavior changes happen. So I, I feel that you know the you know people will go to the gym, but they will also be okay working out from home. At you know, if you look at fitness and transformation and what needs to happen, people will say, okay, I'll do three days at home and I'll go two days in the gym and I want to do heavy weights or certain equipment. I'll go there, but I'll do you know if I have to do conditioning, I don't need to show up in a gym, yeah. right? I don't need to do that in the gym, and you know I can just do it this way. So if this continues for a very long time, the behavior is going to be reinforced, patterns will change. And I think behavior will change. I'm not saying the gym industry is going to go out of business. But it will be that, you know, uh, there will be a, a very large bunch of people who want will want to be very health-focused. And there will be a new platforms which will cater to them. And even new behavior will be uh, created in this uh, in this thing. But just, uh, you know, stepping back into the process that you follow, uh, then when somebody reaches out to you or, you know, somebody says, uh, hey, this is a cool company, is that when you you know, get excited and you're like, okay, let's explore. Uh, or, you know, you're, or you're constantly forming these, uh, you know, thoughts saying, okay, this is something interesting or that's something cool. Uh, let's go talk to them and see if it, it actually results in, in more value. Because I'm still trying to understand how does the mind of Sabir work? <laughs> well, you'll, uh, you'll go crazy if, if you try to figure it out. I still haven't figured it out. But, but the way I look at it, you know, one thing I've learned to train myself is I don't, I, I don't I don't try and let other people bias my opinion very much because the biggest mistakes have happened when I've done ref checks of people and people have given me bad ref checks or good ref checks and their biases have been incorporated in my decision making. Right? The biggest mistakes in my career are, are those things also when, when, when I've listened to too many people. So I kind of keep it very, very open. I understand the thing. I, okay, I will have a thing around, yes, this thing is, the space makes sense. But I would, my only condition is going to be team when I meet the people. I want to meet the people or talk to them and I want to see how they're connecting the dots. You know, I have a very slow mind and if if I'm talking to an entrepreneur and he can make my mind light up, that's like, uh, 
that is something right i, I would say in all the investments that i do i know that my mind is on is is racing very fast and then i know that you know okay i'm thinking really fast with this guy this guy is somebody i can work with this guy is somebody i can help build a company with and this guy is connecting dots very 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 fast and he's 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 got he's got the art of storytelling but he's also got the arts of having deep insights into why he would do this how would he take it into market how would he how would he build a business on it and is he self aware about himself and intellectually honest about what his gaps and skills are and can he build a team around him those are the things that i'm trying to uh, decipher right i mean you have very very limited information i rarely go and read a, a, a report on that space that okay you know i need to do this or you know okay i need to learn about x you know new banking for for god sakes i i, I would, if i'm doing that i know that there's yeah. something wrong I, i'm behind the curve very badly on on stuff it does happen by the way it does happen but i you know i lose team in, in the process because i realize that i don't intuitively get the space so right. in that case in that case to you then let's let's say you know your investment uh, in postman for example uh, do you then look for other alternatives to then understand the market saying okay now you've met a postman or you know a postman and now are you looking for you know similar businesses and then try to understand do you talk to five startups for saying yes to a sport a postman Honestly, in Postman's case, I was telling you that you know I told the entrepreneur that I would fund him twenty minutes, twenty twenty-five minutes into the into the into the investment. Right? I came a little bit more prepared into the meeting because Postman was a slightly different uh, thing. It was a it was a project. It was run by Vinav. He was uh, you know he was he was building this in a site uh, uh, as a site thing, and he was building websites for a living. And uh, you know, so it was very different. But there was enough community traction. and there was enough understanding that this uh, this can be an interesting space and there was a real value migration under play that you know the world is moving to rest apis from soap you know for example right. there was there were these industry value migration vectors which were very clearly coming in and clearly that you know people wanted a new interface and there was a mental model if you looked at it that you know some of the complexity if you look at it in great businesses goes away when you take stuff which is happening on command line and build good wrappers around it and you are able to do things like dropbox was built on rsync for example you know postman is built on curl curl was a were commands which were written on command interface and when you do that there's an opportunity to kind of build deeper workflow products so i mean there was some back there was some backdrop when i went into the meeting i was i, I read a entire book on microservices it was lying in my card key for a very very long time but you know uh, you know i read an entire book but because i had enough data points and i went into the meeting I didn't know what to expect, but when I when I went when I spoke to the entrepreneur, my mind was on fire because I just realized that this is this is one of the most exceptional people I've met in in my life, right? I think it's the same same feeling I had when when I met with Vijay also Vijay Shekhar, which was which which we founded after one meeting. I took one meeting with him, and by the end of the meeting, when I walked out, I said, "This is an entrepreneur that I want to fund," right? So uh, this was in two thousand nine. So it it just happens, you know that when you know when. just imagine i think of me as a monkey right if i if you make a monkey do the same thing every single day even a monkey can become half decent right so you know we are <laughs> you know i'm doing this day in day out so you know my mind would is so tuned on picking up the mm. smallest nuances that the entrepreneur might not in some ways think that you know i'm i'm picking that on but i'm i'm able to connect some of those things right. it's not because i'm a genius by far sure i'm the most average person you would ever find but i 
I've tuned my mind to be able to pick up things which which it's, it's just like developing a lizard brain. It's only really good for one thing, right? So so it, it becomes like that. So and I think that's the uh, that's the that's the important part here to to think about that uh, you know. So I obviously did study the you know, landscape to some extent, but I was blown away with the entrepreneur and how he was connecting dots and how he had a very 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 clean vision in terms of how this. A simple testing tool would evolve to being a large workflow tool, and how would he build that? He had a very clean outline around how he would do it. The clarity of thought that I found was at another level, right? And which is what you know made me tell him in 25 minutes, I'm funding you, right? I mean, whatever happens. And I told you that we didn't do an IC on that particular investment, right? In that particular week, we just ended up closing it without you know even the team meeting. That it was so unusual. To do. I mean, do you think uh, do you think that's a career-defining investment? You know, it's an investment I'm very proud of. I would say, just given the fact that it's uh, it's 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 a it's a company which is going to inspire a lot of entrepreneurs to build the next generation software companies out of India. So I I feel it is it is a you know Abhinav will be a poster child in some ways for that entire world for building world class products that everybody talks and raves about. So I think yes, I feel very proud of it. And, and the fact is that you know there was no company when I invested in them. There was it was a project. You know, the two founders were doing other, the other two co-founders were moonlighting, doing other things. And, you know, so it was really putting it all together, really being in that initial part, helping them. Uh, you know, so I feel very, very proud of them. And I, I think the world of the founders, I mean, they're some of the best people I've ever come across. So, you know, I, I feel very good about it. I would definitely see for me, one of the most career-defining uh, investments. But yeah, in terms of returns, yes, probably there, I would say PTM has been very, very good for me as well. And there are others in the in the works right now. An academy is another one which I would say is 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 you know would be career defining in some ways if we continue on the trajectory that we're going on. And Hasura and, and there are other companies as well which I, I I would say that you know I have tuned my brain over eleven years or oh, no, no, yeah now almost uh, thirteen years of doing this to be an investor and not to be a sector specialist. It is it is a very conscious choice I took and that happened because. When I got into this industry in 2007, I was doing Reliance Technology Ventures, which was only going to be doing tech, telecom and semiconductor and, you know, really core stuff. And I realized that all those industries got wiped away after the crash. Anything which is heavy capex industry moved away. I had to reinvent myself two years into, uh, into the venture thing. I didn't go to B-School because I said, okay, I'm going to reinvent myself and learn. I said, learning by failing is better than doing an MBA. Whatever people say, you know, they, I might not have a Harvard. I potentially could have gone. Howard, but I might not have that. But I said that this is this is this is learning and changing businesses in the midst of this downturn will teach me the most. And I had to reinvent myself, and we had to reinvent a firm two years into its inception to now then move from Reliance Technology Ventures to Reliance Ventures, and then we started doing a bunch of things in healthcare and other sectors. And then I took it on myself. I said I will be a broad-based investor. I will not be a sector specialist. I will not only say I do SaaS, but yes, I can do SaaS. I can do this. All I look for, and which is why I say that I. Would Look for entrepreneurs who are defining things in, in in different spaces, and that's why I take a very broad-based approach and a very fundamental first principles for entrepreneur, market, and timing approach. Those three things are kind of in, in working in the confluence of those to see, you know, how those three things can come together to kind of change and move things. So which is why you know I've been you know I've, you know if you look at my typical day, it starts from coding, goes to tools. Goes to uh, you know doing stuff in edtech and then goes towards grocery and uh, 
um, you know, uh, and then head coach was hiring. So it's a I, very, I, very. Uh, I'm sure I'd love to. Play. I'd love to pick your brain more on like your fortnightly catch-ups and whatnot. But what I'm really keen, keen to understand is that uh, when you look at success in the VC world, right? It's a long play because your success is not just like an entrepreneur's success. It takes five, ten years for any business to mature and actually pay off. How do you keep yourself motivated in that time? Because every investment, you don't have the answer overnight. You're not going to oh. know like, okay, if tomorrow you got like a hundred percent in your exam. You know, you don't know that. You don't know. You know, even even the companies which have multi-billion-dollar, uh, you know, uh, investments, you don't know. I mean, you don't know till the money comes back. And even after that, you know, our job is honestly to build enduring companies. A lot of times, I, I I can tell you that there are companies that have made good returns on. But I know those companies are not enduring because they didn't have the fundamentals of building a great business and and, and, and building great uh, PNLs. Right? I, that's not happened. So the only way to motivate yourself is constantly being a you know heat-seeking missile for meeting and meeting very very smart entrepreneurs. I think that's the only thing. I think the I would say the way the, uh, my brain lights up when I meet a very very good founder. I think that high is better than any high that you can ever ask for. Right? I mean it's the that 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 the sugar rush or the, the you know the rush that you get in the brain when, when you meet when you meet an exceptional founder for me is makes the entire journey worth it and and of course it's for me it's very spiritual and it's not about funding and press announcements and a lot of my investments are not pastel right now so it's not about about those things it's those are also good things because it does good for your platform so you need yeah, to yeah. announce them yeah. but if you ask me if you have had me if you have a choice I'll keep all my investments instead. Right. If you ask me to do that, I would. I would just be very happy to do that. Right. But I. My. My thing is, you know, the the most important thing is being a part of the journey and being working with some of these people as they're building out. It's a very very satisfying thing. Right? It's an extremely satisfying thing for for me to do. Uh, and just it's my personality. I. You know, if I. I have a sort of personality for an entrepreneur. But my biggest thing is maybe that I tell people I was dropped as a kid on the head, so I, think, I have to think on multiple. Multiple things at one time, and you know I'm definitely not capable of running three or five or six or seven of these ventures, right? So this is the way in my mind, you know, uh, how you know a conglomerate in my mind works when there are all these different companies, and then you're taking capital from investors who trust you and allocating capital into some of these companies, and then helping them really transform their space, their, their own uh, spaces, and really being in the trenches with these guys. Uh, Learning, learning how that is done. So I find that very, very gratifying, right? I think that itself, that that entire path of and that entire journey itself keeps you motivated. Of course, there are challenges along the way, but the good thing is, if there one company is facing challenges, other companies also doing great. Right. So because you have a portfolio sort of a structure, you can always, you know, you always have to deal with situations, and you realize that there's no great company which is built which didn't go through its extreme challenges or extreme points of of, of of failure, not even a single one that I've seen uh, happen uh, in my in front of my eyes or in my thirty-year investments, which have been straight lines. It just doesn't work that way. There are near-death situations for all of them, and just being there for these people is is great. I mean, the thing is, in, in your in our business, we're choosing the kind of ulcer machines that we want to want to want to want to deal with, right? I mean, that's what it is. Every company is going to give you stress, so you pick the ones that you want, and you pick the ones which are the most. Valuable in the ones that you want to really work with. I think that's that's what is 
that's what's deeply satisfying about the business. So it just fits with my personality. I don't know what I, what else I would do in my life. Right? I mean, that's what it is. I would yes, I would be, I could be an entrepreneur and do stuff. But you know, my thing is, I just personality wise, I, 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 I want to do multiple things. It just, it's just bad. You know, I've uh, of the thirty-eight investments, and I'm sure there are a lot of the ones that I like, and I'm sure a lot of people like some of the other ones. I've picked a few over here, and we've talked a little bit about Postman already. Again, congratulations, super duper. Uh, it looks like a super duper hit, and like you said, it's a long way to go. Um, long way to go. I think all the credit goes to the team. I'm just right. a facilitator in the process. That's the way. You're super humble, but your reality is there's, there's some guidance that you give, and there's obviously capital that also helps. Um, so in this segment, I, I just you know we have about five companies that I've picked out, and uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you. Uh, it is like a, uh, either some anecdotes about them, like what your favorite part about the investments, uh, and you know at the stage of the company they invested in, uh, you know. So so you know just the audience get a sense of uh, how these investments happen. Maybe it gives a general idea of how these investments kind of uh, take place. Uh, first one is uh, uh, Hasura. I don't think a lot of people have heard of Hasura, uh, but it's an interesting company itself. Uh, we'd love to hear from you on that. Yeah, Suna is a pretty interesting. Uh, I would say it's in the, it's following the steps of of Postman. Very very interesting company. Very high potential. It's a very very low key company. Lot very few people know about it because it's like what the hell is this? It's a pretty interesting story. You know, uh, I got introduced to Asura through um, you know Abhinav at Postman told me about them, right? And uh, you know, so he he did say that you no, know, I met this guy. He's a very smart guy. I liked him. And when I first spoke to Tanmay, who was the founder of Asura, Tanmay and Rajashi, uh, you know, they were doing a services company and they had Asura as a side project. Uh, and, you know, they were building something very different. And, uh, you know, they were building a pass uh, platform as a service and, uh, and a backend as a service on a new age Kubernetes kind of a platform. Uh, and they had some way to connect both of both of them uh, in a very interesting way. But you know they were doing something very different. And they were running a services company before cross systems and doing this as a side project. So it was uh, when I spoke to them, I said, you know, Tanay and Rajesh, I really like talking with you. And I realized when I was talking to them, there was somebody very, very, very smart people on the other end of the phone, and they were in Chennai at that point of time. And I said that you know, uh, I like you. I you know, there's definitely something here that you're thinking about. And you are, you're, you seem like very, very smart people. Uh, I just told them that, hey, you know, I have two, you know, two broad conditions of if you're if you're keen to take next steps. Um, one is obviously you have to shut down your services company because I don't think you can run a services company and and do this. And uh, the other thing was, you know, that uh, would you be able to get out from the comfort zone of Chennai and you know make a transition, come to Bangalore, rethink how you're going to build this out. And because I realized that it will require a lot of work and we'll need to work very closely together. And so I just left that with him. He said, yeah, okay, let me think about it. And, you know, uh, he called me up three, four weeks later. And, you know, he said, hey, I've shut down my services company. And I made a decision that we want to move lock, stock and barrel because now that I don't have a services company, I can refocus and really put together a team just around this project. And the depth for talent for that, not because Bangalore, he didn't do that well, maybe he just felt that Bangalore would have more depth of talent around that, which is what my, my, my thing with him was also on that particular space that he was going after and what it is going after today, the depth of talent in Bangalore is far in India. 
uh, and uh, so you know that's how it happened. He showed commitment, and then I said, okay, you showed commitment. You've done the first step. So you know why don't you come in and chat? So we we, we met again. I just was blown away meeting him in person. That about his technical prowess and depth and Rajoshi's understanding of community and open source. It just blew me away, right? I mean, how, that these guys are something, right? The business didn't make sense, honestly. When when I when when I invested into the company, the business did not make sense. Uh, uh, but I knew that there is something in these people. I, I these these founders. There was something, and then Vamshi was the CTO, and then I met with Anand, uh, who's the CPO. There's something about these people, the way they 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 kind of attack me. So we partnered with them. I wrote them the first 1.2 million dollar check. Uh, we started working closely together. I would show up at their office, ask idiotic questions, and that itself was a threat enough for them to kind of get their get their story in line. It wasn't because I was very smart or anything, but they are like all the every bit of the credit goes to them in terms of figuring things out. But I, my job was just asking questions and 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 showing up at their office every 15 days and to talk about things. And then realizing that you know the business probably what they're working on was not going to make too much sense, but you know they had the capability to reorient that business towards you know let's say taking a tailwind of GraphQL and they reoriented what they were building uh, with GraphQL as a tailwind, and you know that 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 change happened uh, you know six to seven months into after our funding them, and from there they're on uh, you know this was late 18 or, or early 19 we launched the product. In 2019, Asuna has been the fastest growing, one of the fastest growing open source projects in the world. Oh, wow! Right? We have gone from a million Docker pulls to about 50 million Docker pulls in one year. Uh, we have 15 million. Our community has grown 50 million. Five zero one five. Five zero. Wow! So they have like grown like crazy, and of course. It was it was the judgment on the people and the team and how they were evolving uh, that you know so all the credit goes to them. I would I would not take any even a single iota of the credit here. All the credit goes to them because the recognition of the people was right. I think you know 2019 onwards they really started taking the product out, really started thinking about how GraphQL could be there, how could they get bottoms up adoption uh, with developers. They you know they're close to about now 18,000 odd GitHub stars. Um, you know. It's it's phenomenal what they've been able to achieve. Uh, you know, for a company which is sitting out of India, today they have like uh, a pipeline of about 2,000 odd customers on their cloud version, uh, uh, which they launched last week. Uh, they have about you know 30 of the Fortune 500 customers, which are in different stages of production, being production customers. They have uh, you know about 50 odd customers now, which are in uh, which are over 2,000 employees companies. Talking to them and, and working with them in different phases, so they have become synonymous now with how the universal data access there. So we move from GraphQL now. We are moving towards a whole positioning around universal data access. And how could this be the new age sort of mule soft of of of, of, of thing? Uh, or a new age web logic is more the right proxy. How how could we be that uh, company? And I think so. We've made that transition over the over the last eight eight, eight years. You know, you will see some announcements. We've We've been fortunate to, you know, we had a lot of inbound earlier this year during the recession. The company sitting in India has raised from a, from one of the best investors in the in the valley, uh, a top tier investment firm, be announced in the next uh, three to four weeks. Really, really good people who've seen this journey before as well. Uh, all done remotely. All kudos to the team. They never met the team sitting out of India, raising maybe a thirty million dollar round, Series B round, uh, uh, you know, completely remotely. It's it's phenomenal. 
So, you know, I think the bet is on the team and, and what they're able to do. And the best part is, again, there's no proxy. There's no, there's nothing similar to this. It's a purely original company. It's a purely open source company. It's a product-led growth play, just like uh, like our friends at uh, Postman. Obviously, Postman was more workflow. This is more infrastructure and, and, and more data in data path. Slightly different plays. But, but something very proud for our ecosystem. So I look at it again, saying that, you know, my job is trying to see how we can put India on the map for some of these companies. So that's that's what gives me satisfaction. Because I know it's a long answer, but I'm no, very no, passionate I, about what these guys are doing. And, 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 you know, I've been I've been wanting to have uh, Rajoshi or, or you know that uh, you know the co-founder Tanmay on the show. Tanmay, so, yeah. Uh, I you know I, I'd love to have him on the show. So you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. Oh, they're phenomenal. They're phenomenal. Try my best to get them on the show. Uh, <laughs> um, the other you one, know, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately, founders become popular once they raise large rounds, right? Yeah. That's how it's how unfortunate it is. They they do a lot of work and then the funding announcements get them. They will get popular in the next one month and you should have them on your show. Until then, they'll be like, oh, what is this Asura stuff? GraphQL, building Postgres, Postgres, all is on the shit. So, so, so I mean, uh, to be honest, I, I, I've been trying to get them on the show, so I, I'm going to find a way to, to make that happen. I'm happy to introduce you to them. Well, I, I, I think the guests, uh, listeners would be most happy to hear uh, about this. Um, we've talked a little bit about Postman already, but, uh, you know, is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, of the investment, uh, you know, that we may not have covered? No, I think uh, world-class product, category-creating product, I personally feel the best is yet to come. There's a lot of headroom for us to grow from here, and I think... You know, goal is we are at about 11, 11 11.5 million developers. Goal is to get to 100 developers, developers and 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 associated profiles from there. So I think this can be a phenomenal company. You know, like GitHub and and even beyond. I would say. So it, uh, just like uh, most other uh, developer tools, is it also like premium? Where you know, yeah, absolutely. It's it. a it's a it's a premium product, which is what product like growth in some ways has helped, right? Because people can just use it for their simple testing and things like that. Right. And when they want to collaborate around uh, around what they want to do, then it moves from developers to their own small teams. And when multiple teams are using it, then it moves with most of us an enterprise license. So it's an individual developer to teams to enterprise play. Clearly, uh, clearly grounds up. So we have half a million enterprises globally now using their product, and that's all happening organically. So more than half a million. So. When when I think uh, the the only 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 word I would add to say. Right, I tell it to the, these guys also, the best is yet to come there. Okay. We're, we're going to keep a lookout and, and you know, we're going to have you back yeah, on the show and talk about it. <laughs> no uh, the two other interesting investments of yours that, that I really like, uh, and, and now we're getting to the beer and food category, uh, you know, beer and IT one and dishes. Uh, you know, I'd love to hear your stories about that. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I mean, I think both brands have such a, a lot of uh, user love as well in the market, uh, the way they started, the way they've kind of figured things out. Um, how did those happen? You know, I, uh, both are investments that you know we would not do at Nexus, unfortunately, or at that point of time. Uh, you know, uh, so this, this was your personal check. These are personal checks, so they are not Nexus investments; they are personal checks. But you know, there's a story behind. Behind this, right? So on Bira, you know, Ankur is Ankur is me in college, right? You were in college. 
Oh, really? So, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we were both in it at Illinois Tech and, you know, so... So, so you were part of Friends and Family Round. Uh, that's F-F-F-F-F-F. right. That's right. F F F. That's right. <laughs> really, the, the the first check in because when he started out and you know I, I you know I always knew him as a very smart, very astute guy. Uh, even in college, very smart guy. Uh, could connect with a bunch of people, right? Right from getting work done at the grassroots level to really uh, you know being able to. I I like that in entrepreneurs, right? If they can if they can map out they can map out uh, uh, things, especially in businesses which are completely like offline and things like that, you need to be able to have that ability to kind of, um, you know, do things. And he was always a very, very street smart person and had had a good sense of aesthetic and design. So obviously, uh, when he wanted to start something, he didn't even, he didn't have, uh, you know, he had a concept that he wanted to do this. He was doing a, again, he was doing a distribution business. You know, he was doing an alcohol distribution business, Serana Beverages, and then, you know, wanted to move into this, into doing this, right? So, you know, that's what I'm saying. It was a bet on the person and, 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 and what he wanted to do and knowing him, knowing the characteristics of that person that, you know, this person has that, has the insights on the market around what needs to be done and a very fundamental insight, right? That you don't want to drink your dad's beer. We are all, we are all youngsters. We don't want to be drinking our dad's beer and, and saying that, okay, we're all Kingfisher kind of things. Every generation or every 30, 20, 30 years, there's a way to create a new brand. And can that be created? Can and how does that appeal to the millennial? And what needs to happen? And what is the product innovation which is happening? Right. And and you know sometimes to win you also need to have a competitor who's very determined to lose, right? So it makes your job at winning with much easier. You know, Kingfisher at that point of time with uh, Vijay Malia was, you know, hitting self-defeating goals, right? With their brand value, their airline going out of business, and so much bad publicity, uh, you know. So, you know, they were hitting their own self goals and not innovating on product. And of course, you had a corporate which, which was not able to get new products into market. So there was a bit of dissonance there and they were not able to, to tie in stuff with the new new flavors and bringing in wheat beer, bringing in new things. So I really like the vision of what these guys wanted to do. And of course, there have been many missteps along the way, at least from my sense, from a, from a distance. I, uh, I feel the company could be a, even bigger than what it is um, uh, today. Uh, because of supply issues and we underestimated the back-end uh, challenges and all of that stuff. But what he's been able to create phenomenal is, is pretty phenomenal in terms of a brand thing, creating that customer pull, customer love around the product. Uh, that has been pretty phenomenal if you look at it. Right. So again, this goes back to the thing that you know you cannot have, I cannot have a thesis, but I can have a fundamental insight that yes, I can identify with the fact as a consumer that you need to have a different beer and there's the choices are pretty poor. And the premium segment, your import costs and things is very large. So between a Kingfisher and the next one, there's a gap, which is there's a staring wide big gap. Nobody's catering to that gap. And if you position something, uh, people are willing to pay a delta to do it. And there's a large enough market to create a sustainable company. I think, and then, of course, business, there are all these things that, you know, the business has its challenges, distribution is all it's pretty messy and all that stuff. But I said, you know, this is where I'll put my money because I know the guy and I think that he can do it. And I think he has that sense of aesthetics and around positioning things and everything. Yeah, in some ways it went right, I would say, right? It's a company worth whatever, 2,100 crores today, invested for some pittance. So it's it's done decently well. I think, I, I personally feel that company could have been even, even bigger if we didn't have a supply challenges, we didn't underestimate some of those things. But I would give, uh, you know, I'm going to a lot of credit for starting this revolution of new age brands. A lot of people have come with it. 
The challenge is that none of those other brands have hit scale requests yet. And, you know, so everybody looks like, oh, this is an easy business to get into. You know, we can sell a, you can sell a couple of cases and it'll be okay. The challenges happen when you need to scale to like, let's say, 5% or 10% of the market. You know, today they're like, that's their market share is like 5, 6, 7, 8% of the premium there, right? But when you have to scale this business, the challenge is not doing it when you're like selling 10,000 or 20,000 bottles. It's when you're selling like hundreds and thousands of cases. The challenges on scale, challenges on all of that are, are tremendous, right? And I think, you know, Kingfisher was built in license life. It was yeah, generational yeah. business. We didn't okay. see it evolve, right? Here's a company which started in 2015 and in four years, which has created a name for itself. Let's let's give the guy some credit and let's give the guy a lot of uh, uh, leeway that, you know, this is something which is being created from you. Of course, he could have done it a little bit better, but I think he's, you know, he's a very capable guy and yeah. known very well. He'll navigate this thing through to, to something. I think so, but I, feel good. I feel good because, you know, as I said, there was no business plan. There was no product. There was a pamphlet. This is how it looked. These are looking fields. This is what the logo is. And, you know, hey, I'm thinking of doing beer. And I'm like, okay, Uncle, I know you. You're a smart guy. You figure things out. <laughs> and why, why do you say that? And, you know, I heard him out. And, you know, I remember, you know, uh, going to his office for the first tasting part. And, you know, I tasted it and I said, man, you got a winner on your hand. I had the Bira White. And, um, you know, I said, you got something great on your, on your hands, right? And I think, um, yeah, I think, you know, so that's that's what it is. It's, it's amazing. Uh, we have actually talked about Bira White on this show three times already. Not with, <laughs> not with Ankur, right? And, and you know, uh, Jitain Mike's boss also invested in Bira 91 way later. But, right. You know, okay. I, I'm going to definitely get uh, Ankur on the show also at some yeah, point. Was, <laughs> he's a very interesting guy. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. So you know, that's that. You know, that's was the reason. I mean, it's it just a, it's a very tangential thing, but it goes to the point right. that there's no thesis I had going in. There's no thesis I had going in on Postman. Yes, there's a value migration play. So it is about identifying the industry trend that soap will move to rest. In Asura, you know, it was a paper bet. There's no thesis uh, in Bida. I, I mean, everything is stacked against them to get into that space. How did Delicious uh, happen? Was that also uh, someone you went to school with? <laughs> you know, I I don't drink anymore. I quit alcohol about now, about 15 months back. So I feel bad about that. But I'm a vegetarian. So you can imagine. Well, oh, now wow. tell me, how do, I, uh, how do I write a check to uh, Delicious? So but you know for sure, but you know for sure that this was an unbiased investment. Yeah, exactly. This you know for from sure that I'm a capitalist at heart. Basically, <laughs> that's what it shows, right? So you know, I I'm a vegetarian. I I believe um, so. I'm pretty much I think the only vegetarian on the cap table. And they're like you are know, normally. Uh, so you know, I I tell you my experience with them. So I met with them. Uh, I I obviously felt that there's a big opportunity. At a macro level, that there's an opportunity from taking unstructured things in this country towards structured goods. I think there's a very macro trend, and there's a macro tailwind for that to happen. Because, and if you think about it, right, meat is something that you put in your mouth. It's something. It's, it's flesh that you eat, right? And, and you come to think about it, the entire experience is so bad. Right. I don't know how, how it was done, and I could not taste the product in this case, right? So the, again, the bet was talking to the founders, right? I mean. I remember uh, spending time with the founders when, and I wrote the first check, and this was with Kanwal and uh, Mr. Mohandas Pai. Uh, you know, so the 
I think four or five people who wrote the check at that point of time, uh, the company. And all that the founders had to show was, you know, I remember him meeting at a Starbucks and they, the founder got a way like, you know, these are the boxes in which we put the meat. I was like, okay, you know, the boxes looked really, really nice. The design was really, really nice. But it was just meeting the founders, right? I mean, you had, uh, you had, uh, you had Rake and you had uh, Abey and, and you, know, you, you saw these guys. One was absolutely passionate, crazy about the space. Both were passionate, crazy about the space, but one was really a left brain guy, one was a right brain guy, right? I mean, it was a perfect combination of saying that, you know, they both could keep each other in check in some ways and, and it was a very, very good complementing team. And, you know, the passion that I saw in Abey uh, when I made that investment was different. And I was like talking to him about very different things. And I remember how would you cut the carcass and what? how do you get best amount of utilization of cutting things <laughs> in the carcass? That was one of my stupid questions. I just wanted to check how how, how much attention to detail he had. And I and you know he he looked up into the into the ceiling and he took out his hand in a particular way and he said you know I have these laser cutting machines you know they cut it particular this way and you know it, it you know this is where this is the amount of uh, this is where the flesh in the carcass is and this is where it flows off and these machines can do this thing and I can get a yield which a butcher cannot get because he cannot cut for that finely and and then this thing. So, you know, the way he put his hand up and the way he rolled his eyes and I, I said, okay, this is the guy I'm going to invest into. I just decided then there's no thesis. The broad thesis was, yes, there's going to be a move towards, you know, people wanting to do this and, 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 and do this. The way they were thinking about it and the way in which they were thinking about the cost structure in the business of having a hub, um, in the one hub in the city, and many small distribution centers, which were in the Northern High Street, how they would build the cold chain around it, how would they do the back-end sourcing. How would they do the ISO certification? How would they build a brand? How would they position Licious as a brand? As a great meal begins here, which is a positioning towards inputs. And how they would be so true to the fact that they would want to own the customer relationship with the, with uh, you know, they want to own the relationship with the customer and not give this out to a delivery firm and lose that connect with the last mile. Because the business is a 60% plus gross margin business, they can afford it. So they want to keep that connect with the thing and how do they do it in two hours, right? How do you think about your meal after that you want to have it talk two hours and still be ready to do it? How they were thinking about it? I just, the thought process and the passion was just so amazing. I think that's what it was. Uh, people bet again at that point of time, put my very little hard-earned money. I was, I'm not a very rich guy, but I put my hard-earned money there. And I feel in terms of multiples, probably will be one of the most, it is probably the most phenomenal uh, multiple X that I have. Right. So this is also a personal check? This, this is also, also a personal, personal check. check. Yeah. Wow. We unfortunately could not do stuff which harmed animals as per our agreements. Yeah, so what's so, with this? So uh, I'm guessing beer was because it's a vice and it's probably also not part of the It's a vice, yeah, exactly. So we don't do that and we do not do anything which harmed animals and harmed anything. So we, we could not do these investments, unfortunately. So there is an opportunity in India to create a vice fund. Absolutely, you know that's what I, I, I look at, right? I mean, I, 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 you know, I, you know, it's a pretty crazy thing. But you know, which, which is the best performing stock in the world that you think, in the history of the world? I'm, I'm going From to say it's oil. To I'm going to say it's no. oil or beer no. or a consolation or one of those companies. It is. It is Philip Morris. Uh, of course. Uh, all right. <laughs> that, is, that is the most phenomenal stock run that you can imagine. It's, it's the most addictive stock run. 
I'm not propagating this. I'm yes, I'm a shareholder in ITC. I, I bought shares there, and of course there's no well and all that stuff. But I'm just going to tell you, just saying that history repeats itself at every point. ITC is one of the best performing stocks in the country. Of course, capital allocation and all that stuff is is, is I have question marks around how they would do that, and of course this industry will have things. But if you look at it, the best performing stock in the history of the year. The world is, is one of the. I think all the way up to two thousand eight or nine was Philip Morris. So you know, just tells you that you know, vice spaces. I would say gambling and stocks. Even I, I look at Dream Eleven in some ways, and I say that it's a phenomenal company, right? I mean, it, it is in in that. There's money gaming. Yeah. You can call it game of scale and luck. I mean, you know, we all know what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. It, you know, there are no all technical definitions, but you know. I think those 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 businesses are there, and, and of course Delta Corp is is there on, in terms of gambling and things that the stock is doing well and all right. that stuff. So I think you know if you look at patterns, history repeats itself in terms of investment patterns. There are global patterns, and there are in, in the Indian companies, and you'll find some of those. So I invest into public stocks and 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 and, and, and of course a lot of private companies. But uh, you know the patterns repeat itself. History pattern is repeating itself. You just that's what they say, right? History. Uh, it history doesn't repeat itself; it rhymes. So you know, yeah. you know. So, so that's you got to listen to the right. If, if you can, if you can, if you can understand that, then there are patterns which emerge out of all these things. So for uh, Licious, uh, there was actually a delta, right? In the sense, the existing experience of buying meat versus the experience you would get buying by Licious. When you, if you guys did a mental model and mapped it. Was that delta greater than five or six of an existing kind of experience? Was I would that say so, right? Because see, the the there were the choices was going to a meat market and getting it, which obviously you know nobody really like appealed or liked it. At least I know that the uh, 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 my Bengali friends love going to a fish market and having it. I I can't put up with it. I can't. I am anyway vegetarian, so I can't put up with it any which way. <laughs> but I don't like the idea of seeing that. But I you know if you look at any other thing, if going to a normal shop and buying it. Obviously, it's a very, very sick uh, thing, you know, experience to look at it, right? And the the, the choice is, is in between eating fresh and frozen, right? If you look at it. For the customer, the target segment, it's between fresh and frozen. And and the quality is so apparent. If you have something delicious, it is fresh, and then it's your food will be better, and it'll be... It'll be. So you are actually naturally getting in people who, you know, you would build a fresh supply chain of meat. would be a very different supply chain from a frozen supply chain. Which is export oriented or which is frozen. And people can tell the difference. I think the question is I chose to say that there is an opportunity to build an entire supply chain, a vertical brand, like sourcing uh, from farm to fork. If you can build that in, and own the entire piece, and as a result, do the QA. And because, you know, in this, people are also realizing a lot of antibiotics, ammonia, a lot of sodium, all of those antibodies are stuck into these chickens. If you can keep that thing going, if you do an end-to-end -end supply chain around that, then a, a much more phenomenal opportunity can be created and the product is better. If the product is good, the value proposition is good and the convenience is also thrown into it, right? And uh, there's safety around it. Then it's a far better experience than to, I would decouple my buying and sending my driver to send something uh, and get it. And I don't know how much weight of, is it one kg, is it 600 grams? Is it 400 grams when it says it says 500 grams? You don't know what that person gives you at that particular point of time. Is it is it is it the right kind of thing? Is it a proper leg? Is it much more than that? I mean, just putting yourself in that shoe as a customer and then being able to decipher that can a corporate do this and do it well? I think that's what got me there. It's just about 
the ten, see any entrepreneur that you talk to, it's about attention to detail. If you, you know, I'd be asking the most crazy questions, not because I know the thing, but I'm just trying to judge whether the person can get to the nuances of connecting every dot and saying, okay, you know, I can ship meat for 40 minutes in traffic at four degrees and you'll still not get purified. Mm. It will have this kind of pH content. I mean, you know, that shows that that person is talking thinking about the Indian nuances and he can do two milkrons with one delivery or four milkrons with one delivery or seven milkrons with, with ice packaging and hence, you know, the, the trip will make sense and the economics will make sense and there'll be no loss to quality. So, you know, if, if you think, if you, if you really, we're judging people at the, at the beginning, at the, at the, I just brought those skill sets to, to looking at this. It's worked out, but I would say, that, again, all the credit to the team. I mean, you know, they're phenomenal. Obviously, I'm biased. <laughs> uh, the last one that I want to pick your brain on is uh, Mayukchak. Uh, right. It's a contrarian bet. At the time, I think the investment was made. Uh, a lot of people were not talking about vernacular. That was not in, in the vernacular. Uh, what, what, what was that uh, investment like? So that's an interesting one, right? So, you know, we as a fund have had some insights. Uh, about this space because we, and on the vernacular space we are investors lead investors in the company called Pratilipi which is the right. largest uh, vernacular literature platform long form literature platform in the country right? so we obviously have insights into the you know learnings from there that you know uh, there is a need that there is a large part of the country which doesn't get access to uh, health information and it's not structured in a particular way right and uh, there's a obviously if you look at it you know India's in, within India, there are many countries, right? I mean, there, I'm sure you have seen these maps. Oh, Bangalore is equal to Australia or, you know, all those kind of things, right? <laughs> Wait, was so Pratilipi, Pratilipi was prior to Mayokcha? Pratilipi was prior to Mayokcha. So oh. we knew that, there, you know, the reading patterns in, in vernacular were pretty, pretty deep, right? And we knew that, you know, if you just look at the Hindi belt of the country, which is not yeah. very bad access to health information, very poor health infrastructure, and very, uh, so, you know, it was, it was, it's a complete mess, right? So is there an opportunity to build from ground up a WebMD equivalent, which is, uh, which can be focused on this? And, you know, so when we started talking to them, they had raised some angel money, but we were the first, Omidya and us and Shunbai were the first uh, set of uh, investors in the company, uh, with us and Omidya leading uh, the round. Right. And the thought process there was that, you know, there's an opportunity to structure this. There are a lot of queries. There's a lot of search requests and the information is very broken. So can you, from the ground up, create very, very well-structured content? And how do you integrate, uh, you know, people ordering medicines? How do you integrate getting teleconsults and all of that with a, with a, with a new age mobile-first environment, right? And in categories where, you know, uh, which, which have very, 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 very poor coverage, you know, like uh, gynac cases or, you know, uh, female fertility cases or men fertility cases or sexual health cases or, you know, things around diabetes and chronic conditions. So, you know, how do you, how could we create very deep content pools and, and, and drive through uh, people to do it? So today, you know, uh, and we invested in the company about two years back. The company is clearly evolved. We are the largest teleconsult platform in the country today. Uh, uh, and uh, of course, the largest, we're the second largest uh, healthcare uh, services company in the country after Practo Practo of course has been long for longer time uh, they've advertised and done a lot of things but this is a company which under under $3 million has got here right just to tell you because they focused on the need of the customer 
and uh, you know here we had two people who were both Stanford educated um, you know and you know were ready to get onto a bus and go to Lucknow and talk to their customers so it was a very rare kind of a combination of of team which had deep insights and passion and wanted to solve this problem rounds up and that's what got us to kind of get convinced to write this and of course the team has executed quite well I think two months back they were as I said the second largest and I think I think we are trending towards being the largest healthcare destination platform on things. We still have to fix a couple of things on retention and things like that, which we are working on, and the team is working very well and showing very good trends on. Uh, but you know, we launched Teleconsult, uh, you know, about a year, year and a half right. back, and you know, now the largest on that. Manoj, uh, Manoj was on the show uh, very early, actually. I think it was episode uh, four or five, uh, and right. he gave us a lowdown. So, so I, if the audience had listened listen to that one, which I'll probably give a link to. You know, down here, uh, they're probably going to go and be able to see that uh, episode. Um, hey, Samir, this has been amazing. To thank you for taking us through your investments. Um, you know, so you said, yeah. Hey, uh, you know, I think a lot of people would gain from at least understanding how the thought process works, why somebody would invest. Uh, you know, I think I, I think it's important for people to understand, uh, you know, why some of these investments happen. Uh, from the outside, it seems like oh, it's so simple or but once you get into the details, you know, there's a lot more that's happening there, right? Um, it's I think simple but not easy. You know, oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, but that's that's a, that, if, if, people, if people understand that nuance, it's simple but it's not easy, then, you know, I think everything is okay. That's the beauty of a good ideas as well, is that it is simple. Right. Um, it's simple but it's not easy to implement. So, I just wanted to uh, kind of... Uh, Samir, so if somebody had to get in touch with you, Samir at XSVP or should they, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, Samir at XSVP is good. You, if you, you can find a common everybody. connect, that's, if you can <laughs> find a common connect, that's even better. I mean, that's the best. It, not for anything else, but because it shows some bit of scrappiness, right? I mean, it's always good. But yeah, if, if somebody uh, wants to reach out, please do. Yeah. I, you know, unfortunately get a lot of mails, but you know, you can make out just reading the mail that you know, <laughs> are they ready to meet you or not? <laughs> yeah, not for anything else. Not because I'm some great person. They're not at all. It's just that you know you can make out the effort that they're putting into this. Is it is it going to be commensurate with with the, with the thing? Right. So opportunity cost of care, time of capital for them and for yourself it has, has to be has to be matched. Uh, hey, Samir, we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about different things. Uh, probably this is going to become a two-parter. Uh, we'll keep you updated. On that, uh, <laughs> and, uh, hey, Samir, this has been fun. Uh, uh, oh, know. absolutely! Thanks.